0: On the record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC
1: on News Talk. Now, on Thursday, we all participated, millions of us, I would say, watching with bated breath as Ireland kicked off their World Cup campaign against the host nation, Australia, in the Women's World Cup. Unfortunately, a fifty-second minute penalty was enough for the Aussies to emerge victorious. It really was a crusher, but there is a crucial second game on against Canada on Wednesday on the horizon, and festivities are, let's put it this way, intensifying uh, over in Perth where it's taking place. But on her way from there, in Brisbane, is our reporter, Kathleen McNamee. She's from Off the Ball Digital Producer and host of Come On Ye Girls in Green podcast. Kathleen, you're very welcome to the programme. How are things as you make your way over to Perth in Brisbane?
0: Brisbane is good Brisbane has been fun the last couple of days because uh, I came here straight after the game in Sydney decided it would be a great idea to book a a 6am flight the morning after the game so didn't even really sleep for about two days which is a great way to get involved in the festivities but the atmosphere around Brisbane has been really really nice the last couple of days a lot of Irish fans came here before following the team to Perth and also because England have been based here they had their game yesterday against Haiti there's just been a really nice atmosphere around the place and you're actually running into quite a few people you know and it's just that classic Irish thing of like no matter where you go in the world you end up meeting someone who has some sort of connection to you (laughs) Um, and even like last night the South Bank in Brisbane is kind of the happening place and it's quite near to where the team are staying and the team had a day off yesterday so you know I was sitting having my dinner and you just see random players walking by you enjoying their time off with their family with their friends so it's been nice the last couple of days after the hecticness of being in Sydney and that opening game, like, as you said, an absolutely historic event. It's been nice to kind of unwind and chill before making that trek, that five hour plane ride and two hour time difference over to Perth.
1: I know. And and in terms of sort of the, the atmosphere that you talk about, obviously the first one, there was so much hanging on the history, the symbolism. Do you think it'll got to shift a bit because this is now a very tight game against Canada? I mean, I don't know if you'd call it a must win, but it's certainly a must not lose. So do you think it'll be, it's going to be the game and the symbolism will be dialed down a little bit because this is, as you say, there's there's a lot hanging on the result of this game?
0: Yeah, look, like, I don't think you're ever going to get the sort of symbolism that you did to that first game. I mean, for one, Sydney is close to cities like Melbourne. And like I talked to a lot of Irish people who had travelled to Sydney specifically from places that were like an hour or two hours away on a plane ride. And it was almost like, you know, jumping on a train because the internal flights here are actually very easy. Uh, whereas Perth is so far away. So I don't know if you're going to get that same sort of amount of Irish people descending on a place. And here in the World Cup or hearing the national anthem at a World Cup for the first time, you know, you're you're never going to be able to replicate that. And in some ways, I've said it all along, that I worry this game would slightly trip us up because we're so built up for that first game and the third game we think we can get a result in. So I think, like, this middle one is a little tricky. Um, But I trust in the team. I trust in, like, chatting to them after the game. A lot of them were saying they were obviously incredibly disappointed with the result, but incredibly heartened by how they played, especially when you looked at the... Game against France before they went off, where they switched off after half of the first half and then weren't able to get in their groove. They didn't do that against Australia. They didn't let the event get to them. So I think this game is definitely going to be a different vibe. Um, We had the news overnight while everyone in Ireland was asleep that Louise Quinn is in a protective boot, but it's only a precaution and she's still expected to train. So at the moment, we're looking to be injury free. So hopefully, all going well, we will get that result. Because as you say, it kind of is a must-win game because if we lose to Canada, we're out of the group completely. Whereas if we get a draw or a win we have that possibility of making it out of the group and if we do that, we'll be back in Brisbane facing England. So, that'd be a very... Stop, stop. Don't even talk about that. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Assuming that England topped their group. Well, after
1: the Haiti one, yeah, you you do wonder. Uh, And a lot of the conventional wisdom on this part of the world, because you're obviously over there, I don't know how much of it you can still see or, or even have time to see, but here is... You know, Vera Pau, you know, she tends to look to kind of either get in front and hang on to a lead. And you, a lot of the pundits are saying we're not as used to us kind of going out there and being very proactive and just going to try and grab a game by the scruff of the neck. But we'll have to do that against Canada. So do you think, do you think there'll be a big change in our tactics or do you think they're not going to panic? They're just going to stick to their, their normal way of approaching a game and ultimately they'll get there maybe in the second half.
0: I think they're probably going to stick to their tactics and ultimately hope that they get there in the second half. You look at the history of Vera Powell. She is not the sort of manager that likes changing things up an awful lot. Now there is definitely a case for it. You look at that second half, the substitutes that we did make um, when Sinead Farrelly came off and Abby Larkin came on. Youngest ever Irish player to feature at a World Cup, men's or women's. She did a really, really great job and was super positive in the way she was attacking Australia. She kind of came on without fear and even um, just talking to her afterwards, there was an interview up with her on Off the Ball today that I did. And she was saying, like, I said, you didn't seem all that nervous. And she was like, no, I was nervous, but I was like excited nervous. And it was that classic sort of thing of like an 18-year-old. She's never played in a crowd bigger than Tala. Suddenly turning up at 10 times the size of the crowd and having an absolutely brilliant time. And that's what you want for this group of players. So I think if we can harness that sort of energy going into the Canada game, we will really... It'll really benefit us, but also we can't underestimate our opposition no matter what the struggles are that Canada had going into this World Cup they are still a world class team and they have world class players in there so I think Vera will stick to her tactics I think maybe she'll lean on her subs bench a little bit more because they were definitely really positive in that Australia game
1: Yeah I mean how big a deal is it well it's obviously a big deal but how big a deal is that the Canada are Olympic champions I mean is that something that lifts them up to another level or is it something that look they're just good regardless of whether they're Olympic champions or not <laughs>
0: I think like it, it's kind of hard to explain to people who don't follow women's football because uh, if you look at the men's Olympics in soccer, it doesn't really matter all that much. Whereas for the women's side, it has always been a massive deal. It's been like World Cup number one. And then you have like, say, individual tournaments like the Euros or, you know, AFCON and then Olympics is kind of in that as well. And that was how for so long women's teams were actually able to break onto the global scale and actually get people to recognize them now the olympics that they competed in was obviously the delayed covid olympics and a lot of the teams that they were up against maybe weren't at their best like i definitely know i was reporting for espn at the time on that olympics and i know a lot of people didn't expect canada to win it i didn't expect canada to win i actually tipped australia at the time and they had a terrible time of it but um i think that it definitely means something in that that is a lot of confidence for a team going into this. And also you have to look at the sort of players they have. Christine Sinclair, I know she missed a penalty in their first game, but also she still is the top international goal scorer ever, men or women. You know, and she has that sort of experience. You have younger players like Jordan Hutima, who has like been with Leon, one of the top women's, or sorry, PSG, one of the top women's teams in the world and is now playing in the NWSL. So, There's a lot of experience in that side um, and I definitely don't think they should be underestimated. They've had a lot of trouble with their federation in the run-up to the World Cup so they haven't really had a lot of Warm up games um, and watching them against Nigeria the other day, it really seemed like a very defensively strong team, but you didn't know where the goals were going to come from, which is how a lot of people would describe it. Sounds like as well. us. Yeah, I was
1: about to say that. The, yeah. Th- this could be a <laughs> so mad Wolverine like game then. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I feel like it's going to be a little bit of like who blinks first um, and hopefully it's Ireland getting the goal first rather than than Canada
1: Well it's like one of it's international football isn't it where everyone goes this will be a cagey one and you go which ones are not cagey you know it tends to be like that in the the group stages I mean do you think looking at the tournament overall the fact that England like really struggled had to get a second chance at the Peno for example the USA I know they won 3-0 but they weren't exactly shooting the lights out either you've mentioned Canada against Nigeria the other day I mean there does seem to be a pattern in this tournament of the bigger names struggling and not and finding the underdogs a hard nut to crack. I mean, do you, do you think that's first of all true? And secondly, could that play to our strengths then in this second game?
0: I think it is true for the games that have happened so far, but there is also that case of, you know, the first games of a tournament are always a little bit cagey. I mean, if you look at like the game that England played against Austria in the Euros last year, the first game, Old Trafford, Looking at that England team, you would have been like, they're not going to go very far in this competition. And then they went on to win the entire thing, I think, because... There's that kind of disparity where a lot of the smaller teams, because the federations don't have a lot of money, a lot of teams don't have a lot of opportunity to establish what level they're at because they're not playing the same amount of warm-up games or the same amount of international breaks. I wouldn't put Ireland in that category. I think that, you know, Australia knew what they were getting into with us and we just played our tactics very, very well apart from that one penalty incident that kind of ended up deciding the game um but i think for like the likes of haiti the a lot of those players do actually play in the french league but in terms of actually getting to see them all play together it's very very difficult and england just looked a little bit disjointed against them i don't think they're going to be like that for the rest of the tournament um but yeah we can definitely use that to our advantage i mean Ireland has always been the sort of country that enjoy going into things as the underdog and I reckon if we had been built up in that game against Australia we probably wouldn't have performed as well as we did. I mean it was an epic performance for that 90 minutes and the last 10 to 15 minutes were heart in your throat sort of stuff. I don't think I watched most of it cuz I was too busy hiding behind my hands just praying that something would happen. Um like if one of the if that Louise Quinn header had just shaved the post, we would be having such a different conversation. Um so yeah, like definitely Ireland can take a lot going into the Canada game. I just wouldn't totally outrule Canada as a strong competitor in the way that maybe some people have.
1: Yeah, now the final two things I'm nervous about. One is, will use coverage, uh, if television coverage hold up? and uh, We won't be on a delay again. So let's hope that's got fixed up. But secondly, uh, Marissa Shiva. obviously she got um, the penalty. She looked very distraught on the bench at uh, the pictures we saw. Um, what, what do you think is going to happen with her? Or, are the camps saying anything about that? Or are they just saying, look, all is good? Because it just makes me a bit nervous. Those pictures were were pretty affecting. So uh, hopefully she's okay and everything is, she'll get included again in the second game.
0: Yeah, she was really upset and we were chatting to her briefly after the game and she was still obviously quite upset. And We were talking to a couple of the players yesterday and we asked them, you know, how is she doing? They said the squad had really rallied around her. Um, Sinead Farrelly I thought in particular put it really well when she said you know it's football it's happened to nearly everyone in that squad at some stage and obviously some occasions are bigger than others but everyone knows that sinking feeling I think with Shiva you have to look at like the game as a whole you know she was in that position because she was covering for Katie McCabe who she was covering for Any anytime Katie went up higher in the pitch it was Shiva that was back there covering for her and that was obviously a tactical decision that Vera had made and that's kind of the risk-reward that you take. You know, she's not a natural defender. The challenge was clumsy, but it wasn't malicious in any way. It was just one of those moments where you're like, I can't believe I did that, but it but it did happen as well. Um, so I think maybe there might be a little bit of a tactical shift, like they might look at whether it is her covering Katie as much if Katie goes forward or maybe not sending Katie forward as much, but that's also the thing that everyone is calling for. So I think the most important thing is to look at it as a whole and say like, okay, yeah, it was a massive mistake and it did cost us the game, but, I also think the team would turn around and say it's a team performance and the team didn't get that equaliser when they could have. So yeah, as you say, hopefully she's doing all right and hopefully she realises with a little bit of time that football is a hard game and everyone has their difficult moments and this just happened to be hers.
1: On The Record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11.
0: Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation on News Talk.